As talks about climate change become increasingly serious, many of us are either weary of hearing about it, we are anxious about it, or we just don't know what to do. More and more often we hear this term, climate emergency, knowing very well the use of the term emergency usually means do something now. But despite our present predicament, are we as humans resilient enough to adapt to what is going on? What is the difference between climate mitigation and climate adaptation? How is all of this going to affect our daily lives? These and many other questions will be answered in this episode on climate adaptation. Can we do it? Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 97, which is called Climate Adaptation, Can We Do It? But before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that if you have questions, comments, or even suggestions about a particular topic of interest, please feel free to email me at adventuresinsustainableliving at gmail.com. Again, that is adventuresinsustainableliving at gmail.com. Now, I wanted to produce this episode on climate change and climate adaptation, mostly because it's something that we hear more and more about these days, and it's something that is in the news almost every day. And I really want to point out a few important topics and a few important aspects so that people can really more understand what is going on and why we should be concerned about it. So in this episode, I'm going to discuss several different points regarding climate change. I'm going to talk about climate change mitigation, climate change adaptation, how mitigation and adaptation work together as a twofold process to resolve our climate challenges. And then I want to give you examples of adaptation that have occurred in the animal kingdom and then talk about what humans need to do to adapt to climate change and then give you the five main steps we need to take to defeat climate change. And then finally, address that pressing question of can we actually do this? First of all, I want to say that discussions about climate and are now are now in the news almost every day. And it seems as if every little thing that happens in the world is getting blamed on climate change, whether that is the case or not. Most of us are likely tired of hearing about it, with some people, it produces a considerable amount of anxiety, especially because we think our future is uncertain. 
and maybe with others, we just choose to ignore the topic because we hear about it almost every day. But from the outset, I want to once again point out that we are truly in a crisis of our own making. The first seminal paper about climate change was published in 1896, and by the 1930s, we had a solid understanding of the potential consequences of our carbon emissions. And presently, we are in crisis mode, and we commonly hear the term climate emergency. However, you have to realize and accept the fact that it did not have to get to this point. We have known about this possibility for over a century, and yet we did nothing. And now, of course, everyone wants to, to believe that we are basically doomed, but the truth of the matter is that our climate future has truly not been decided, and we do in fact have time to make important choices that will alter our future on this planet. And those actions fall into two broad categories, that of mitigation and adaptation. And what that does that actually, but what does that actually mean? What are the main differences between the two? So climate mitigation simply means avoiding the behaviors that promote further climate change. It means reducing our risk factors. And this is accomplished by avoiding and reducing our carbon emissions and other heat-trapping greenhouse gases in order to prevent further warming of the planet. And you can sort of think of this as an insurance policy. So, for example, your homeowner's insurance company may reduce your premium if you do certain um, a certain amount of forest fire mitigation meaning thinning of the trees and backing up the tree line away from your residence. Because by doing so, it reduces your risk of fire and total loss of your home, and thus reduces your risk. So, this is mitigation. However, mitigation is truly one piece of the climate puzzle that is very easy to explain, but is actually quite difficult to accomplish. But what this means is that we must stop deforestation and habitat loss. We must take great steps to protect and preserve and restore the natural world because everything we need for our survival is literally connected to the natural world. The entire planet must transition from powering our world with fossil fuels to using renewable energy. We must reach net zero carbon emissions. And this simply means that our production of carbon emissions must be balanced by our capture and storage of those emissions. And once again, I would compare this to an insurance policy or maybe even a retirement fund. Because in other words, the sooner we act to mitigate the effects of climate change, the brighter our future becomes. But truly, I, I honestly think that the challenge, the biggest challenge that we face is that the world is very slow to act and very slow to change. And as you can imagine, regardless of the effects on the planet, big oil companies 
and all the people connected to it are not going to easily give up their billions of dollars in profits. And consequently, they will continue to lobby and they're going to continue to simply downplay the importance of the transition to renewable energies. But all of this could be avoided with a little forethought and planning. Because big oil companies could very easily become the primary investors and lead the way to the renewable energy transition and consequently reap the financial benefits since they seem to be mostly focused on their profit margin. But this situation reminds me of something that I dealt with when I was working in St. Kitts and I could not help but notice that on the entire island there were only three households taking advantage of renewable energy. Two had solar and one had a wind turbine. So when I inquired about the possibility of setting up a renewable energy business and importing such products to the island, I was literally laughed at. And this was because the former Prime Minister owned the company that imported all the oil and owned the utility company as well, and that person had considerable political influence and would likely be an enormous roadblock to such a transition. But once again, a vision of a future powered by renewable energy could still keep people such as this in the money game, and money seems to always be the primary motivator. Now, the other side of the coin of climate mitigation is, of course, climate adaptation. And what this means is adapting to the changes in our lives that are produced by climate change. So we have to alter our behavior and change the systems that run our society and economy in order to maintain a decent quality of life. So in other words, we have to adapt to changes that are being forced on us at this point. So for example, if you were living in a nice warm coastal community in Mexico and decided to attend a university in Anchorage, Alaska, you would have to alter many of your behaviors if you planned on staying there for very long. And this is because you now live in a completely different climate. You would need warmer clothes, winter gear, have to learn how to drive in winter conditions. You would even have to become accustomed to different light conditions. So in other words, you would have to adapt to a new climate if you were truly going to survive. But the same is true for what's going on in our world today. Our world is changing at a rapid pace in ways that we never imagined and in ways that we can no longer control. And consequently, we are going to have to adapt to these changes because our efforts at mitigation are in fact going to take decades before we will see a substantial difference. And this is simply because climate change has far-reaching effects. It changes where we can grow our food, where we can build homes, and even how much water we have. It causes forest fire seasons to last longer and become more intense public health organizations are going to have to learn to manage emerging diseases. We are going to have to stop moving to areas that are prone to natural disasters and areas that have limited resources. 
So for example, with intensifying storms and more frequent hurricanes, people are going to have to stop moving to coastal areas. And additionally, Phoenix, Arizona is one of the fastest growing metropolitan areas in the United States, and yet it is a city that should not even be there. There is no natural water source. Yet people are moving there by the thousands, when sooner or later due to climate change, it will become one of the most inhospitable places in the United States. And there are just two examples, and these are just two examples of how our idea of housing development simply needs to change. And additionally, we have to realize that adaptation solutions are more than likely going to vary from place to place and in many ways are difficult to predict. And there will also be trade-offs involved. But you know, incidentally, the same is true about sustainability. It also involves many trade-offs, but some of the trade-offs that we will have to manage is crop diversification because we're going to need crops that can tolerate warmer conditions and most likely drier and even wetter conditions. But you, we may also need to change our building methods. We will need homes and infrastructure that can withstand extreme weather. The changing climate also means additional pressure on ecosystems and wildlife, and further action is going to be needed to stop poaching, reduce overfishing, and preserve the natural world that we are dependent on for our very survival. So what you have to understand here is that this is a twofold process. Mitigation and adaptation both solve the problem but from different perspectives. Because while adaptation is important and will ensure our survival, it also deals with things after the fact. Mitigation is thinking upstream. We are addressing the systems, the behaviors, and the choices that got us into this predicament in the first place. Efforts and discussions at mitigation tend to focus on the global community while adaptation tends to focus on the local community. However, in order for things to actually work, the global community needs to tackle mitigation, while large groups of people on a local basis need to agree to change their behavior and their lifestyles. To reduce global emissions, big governments need to work together. But for renewable energy to become the norm, Every single person needs to agree to use renewable energy instead of fossil fuels. So in other words, this is not an either-or situation. To fix the problem, we need to address the source of the problem. That is mitigation. But we still have to deal with the mess that our behavior has already created. That is adaptation. So there is no doubt that we are going to have to continually adapt to our changing world because the effects of mitigation will take decades, if not a century, to truly make a difference. But it is a twofold action that will have a direct effect on each and every one of us. But at the end of the day, the question 
the question is, can we actually do this? Is humanity willing to actually change their behavior in order to ensure the survival of the planet? You know, and I think because I'm a veterinarian with a, with a strong background in biology, I always have to compare humanity to the animal kingdom. So let's just start by looking at a couple of examples of animal adaptation. So for example, free roaming predators such as wolves, uh, as long as there is a good food supply, they continue to hunt in a particular area, reproduce and increase the size of the pack. But once a steady food supply is no longer available, they're forced to move to a different area. And during particularly hard times, weaker members of the pack are simply not going to survive. So in other words, they adapt to a changing environment to ensure survival of the species. Another really good example is large herds of grazing animals. For example, the caribou in North America. Large herds migrate in order to maintain access to a good food supply, to protect newborns from predation, and to avoid persistent pests such as mosquitoes. Even smaller creatures such as the monarch butterfly migrates every fall from the northeastern United States and Canada to Canada to overwintering grounds in southwestern Mexico, which is a distance of about 3,000 miles or about 4,828 kilometers. And some species of hummingbirds also migrate. But overwhelmingly, when you look at this, this pattern of behavior, the underlying reason for animal migration is adaptation. Animals migrate in search of food, water, mates, new territories, to, and to escape harsh weather conditions. But the underlying reason is that adaptation, which reduces their vulnerability to harsh conditions, a lack of food, looking for better breeding grounds, all of which ensures their survival. And one absolutely amazing example of adaptation to harsh conditions are the birds that have adapted to living in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. So 28 years after the meltdown of the Chernobyl nuclear plant, scientists have found 16 species that have adapted to the higher levels of radiation. So in the end, what we have here are several examples of how animals adapt in order to ensure their own survival. So now the next logical question is, how are humans going to have to adapt in order to survive climate change? And are we actually willing to do it? Now, I'm going to list several things that humanity needs to do in order to adapt. And overall, I found a lot of really interesting information on this topic. And, and one article in particular, I have to give credit to for the bulk of this information. And the title of that article is Adapting to Climate Change, What the Earth Will Look Like in 2030. And I will post a link to this article in the resources section of the transcript for this episode because I, of course, have to give appropriate credit. So it's interesting to note that all the steps we need to take for mitigating and adapting to climate change go right along with the basic principles of sustainable living. 
And I think you'll likely find that all of these things are topics that I have discussed before, but things such as improving our energy efficiency and opting for renewable energy over fossil fuels, promoting public transportation and sustainable mobility, and this can even be accomplished by riding a bicycle for shorter trips, or reducing the amount of air travel, or taking more trips by train or in shared cars. We need to start promoting ecology in industry, agriculture, fishing, and livestock farming. Focus on more food sustainability and responsible consumption. And of course, always remember the three R's of reduce, reuse, and recycle. And as has been done in so many other countries, taxing the use of fossil fuels and CO2 emissions and this is one thing that many European countries have done for decades in order to push the general population towards sustainable transportation and the use of renewable energy. We need to push for sustainable building practices and infrastructure that is safer and more sustainable. We truly need to start replanting forests and restoring the damaged ecosystems. We're going to have to start diversifying our crops and other food sources so that we are better able to adapt to changing climates. We're going to have to start investigating and developing, developing innovative solutions to prevent and manage natural catastrophes and, of course, developing action plans for climate emergencies. Now, if you've been following me for some time, you will know that each of the topics above are things that I have covered in previous episodes and these points cover many of the aspects of sustainable living and development. But to just kind of summarize, there are really truly five main steps that we all need to take in order to defeat climate change. Number one, efficiency and innovation. We need to prioritize the use of renewable energy systems and promote the needed efforts to save as much energy as possible. Because remember, the greenest energy is the energy that you never use. Number two, we need to focus on environmental awareness. Because people will protect what they love and respect and will thus do their part in fighting global warming. So being aware of the environment, learning more about it, Taking time out to spend it in nature will help everyone to learn to respect the very thing that keeps us alive. Number three, just developing healthy habits. Getting outside and exercising, such as walking and riding a bicycle, eating healthier non-processed foods, cooking meals at home from basic ingredients, reducing your food waste, are things that we can all do to help the environment. Number four, participation, of course. Active participation in the sustainability movement and teaching others what you know is one of the best ways to spread this important topic. And lastly, number five is simply commitment. Last and certainly not least here, it's personal commitment to live a sustainable life. Start changing things in your life one small thing at a time, and a year from now, I think you'll be really surprised 
that you will be making a significant personal impact. So my point here about climate change is that there are three things that are quite obvious. We are now in a crisis of our own making because we've known about this possibility for over a century and we did nothing. Despite the fact that we are literally in crisis mode, our climate future has not yet been decided. We still have time to act. And lastly, the answer to our dilemma is staring us right in the face. So all that being said, are we really willing to do something about it? Are we really willing to make the needed sacrifices to have a sustainable life? And as you have likely heard me say before, the one basic principle of sustainability comes down to what kind of future we are leaving the next generation. Because basically it comes down to the fact that we can no longer afford to be cavalier about the way we live. We are going to have to make some changes whether we like it or not. And some people and indeed some cultures will handle this better than others. So you know, I find it interesting when you go back in history and you look at all the things that influenced how a culture and society was actually founded. And when you learn this, it helps you to understand why it is the way it is in modern times. And I learned this uh, a few years ago when I started spending a lot of time in Spanish-speaking cultures, especially in parts of South America. So I attended two days of cultural lectures on the founding of modern society in Latin America and how and why it differs from modern-day American culture. So it truly helped me to better understand the culture and why people act and do the things that they do. And knowing this, of course, helped me to accept and respect the culture on a deeper level and also helped me to function better. And it certainly made my life easier. So that said, if you look at how American culture was founded, you begin to understand our fierce independence and our desire for personal freedom more so perhaps than in other cultures. And during the height of the pandemic, what I saw was a lot of angry people because they felt as if their freedoms were being restricted. But in light of this, I think Americans in general are not going to like some of the changes that will be forced on them, especially when it comes to changing how we do things in order to be more environmentally and climate friendly because I already hear people complaining about things and saying, well, they just can't do that. But I've been telling people for a couple of years now that you had better start learning to live sustainably while you still have a choice. You had better start making your own transition to renewables while it is still a choice. I have pointed out in several of my episodes that living a more sustainable lifestyle is actually less expensive it's less demanding and will actually give you more personal freedom. And additionally, a sustainable life also will give you more personal security. But this also means you will have to make some compromises. And granted, I never expect everyone to live off the grid as I do, but I also have a modern lifestyle with modern conveniences 
my lifestyle is just a little different from most. But at the end of the day, the question becomes, what are you willing to do? Climate change is here whether you like it or not. And if you're not convinced, then go back and listen to episode 92, The Science of Climate Change. We are going to have to deal with this through a process of mitigation and adaptation whether you want to or not. Mitigation is more on a global scale. Adaptation tends to be more localized. But this is not an either-or situation. In order to fix the problem, we need to address the source of the problem. That is mitigation. But we still have to deal with the mess that our behavior has already created. That is adaptation. So consequently, this is a twofold process. And I also gave several examples of how animals very quickly adapt to a changing environment because their survival is dependent on it. Yet we humans are so accustomed to manipulating the natural world in order to get what we want that we think we can get away with ignoring this issue. We are so accustomed to throwing money and technology at our problems that we think that is the answer when what we need to do is address the underlying behavior of what got us in this mess in the first place. So what this simply means is making compromises. What this means is changing our lifestyles. It means making a commitment to lead a more sustainable life. It means active participation, teaching others what you have learned. It means having a more healthy lifestyle. It means making the transition to renewable energy. And finally, it means ultimately respecting the environment because we are truly dependent on the natural world for our very survival. So now in closing, I want to repeat one of my favorite quotes. And now I wish I actually knew who said this, but I do not. But when I'm trying to accomplish something that is difficult, here is what I always remember and think about because it is a huge source of motivation for me. If you will do today what others won't, you can do tomorrow what others can't. That said, years ago most people thought, most people that I knew thought I was crazy for living off the grid, but as a result of my lifestyle choice, I now have more personal freedom and financial freedom than anyone else that I know. And I am not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. But the same is true for anyone. I know that we presently live in a world that's changing so rapidly that most people are having trouble feeling some sense of personal security. But if you've been following me for some time, you know very well that living a simple, sustainable lifestyle can in fact give you the personal security that we all crave. And you also have to know that our climate future has not yet been decided. But you can take charge of your own future by simply deciding to live sustainably. But just remember, whatever changes you decide to make and whatever our climate future turns out to be, it always amounts to a bargain. 
But believe me, we are going to have to make that bargain with the climate and the environment if we are going to develop the resiliency that is needed for our future on this planet. Well, that's it for this week, folks. And I would like to remind everyone to please check out the resources section in the transcript of this episode because I have some links there to some very, very in-depth articles that are very informative and very helpful if you want to understand a little bit more about this topic. So I hope that you will join me again next week for another episode of the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. And if you have enjoyed this episode, then please take the time to leave me with a review because I would greatly appreciate it. And also remember to subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my companion blog, Off-Grid Living News. And until next week, this is your host, Patrick, signing off. Always remember to live sustainably, because this is how we build a better future.